Christmas, December 1914. This would go down as one of the most interesting and unique Christmases in all of human history. In fact, one soldier would record in his journal later in life, he said, looking back, I wouldn't have missed that unique and weird Christmas for anything in the world. And what made it so unique is by that point in 1914, the world was six months into a war. It's a war that was called the Great War by those who were fighting it. It was called the war to end all wars. We call it World War I. And all across France, trenches were dug miles long and feet deep. And these men were hunkered down in their trenches. Listening to bullets fly overhead and bombs explode in the distance while living in trenches like this. And just because it was Christmas, they didn't expect anything different. They expected to continue to hear the sounds of war all around them, of men groaning from their injuries and men crying, longing to return home to their families. This is where the world was, Christmas Day of 1914. And yet something miraculous would happen that very night. You see, while in those trenches in the still of Christmas Eve, the sounds of war began to fade. And instead of bullets that they hear, they begin to hear voices. They begin to hear voices singing coming from the opposite trenches. It was a welcome sound, a calm and pleasing sound, something totally different than what they had experienced in the months prior to this. The Germans started singing from their trench and the British started singing from their trench. And all of a sudden they began crawling out of their trenches, not armed with guns or bullets, but armed with a song, with a carol that you and I now call Silent Night. And this sound pulled these men out of their trenches and into no man's land where just a day before they were slaughtering each other and now they are standing singing together. It's called the Christmas truce of 1914. And you see, it was that sound, that, that silence that was powerful enough to pull men out of their trenches and into no man's land and meet face to face to look each other in the eyes. Only the birth of a baby some 2000 years before this event could create a moment in modern history that would pull men out of their trenches in such a way. It's almost as if the message that the angels declared on the first Christmas night was still echoing throughout time. Do you remember what the angels declared on the night of Jesus' birth? They said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. You see, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. And then suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. 
That was a powerful message that the angels delivered to the shepherds. And I believe it caused the shepherds to crawl out of their trenches. And no, I don't mean physical trenches. I'm talking maybe about the political and social and religious and cultural trenches that had defined their lives up to that moment. That call from the angels called them out of the trenches to go and declare a special message. You've heard it said that they went and told it on the mountains, over the hills and everywhere. Good. You guys are, you're, you're still up on your Christmas carols. That's good. They ran out, they, they, they ran out from the fields and told everybody, you have to come see what I've seen. I've seen the savior. His name is Jesus. And I imagine it sounded very similar for the disciples later in Jesus's life when they went from town to town and said, listen, I know a man that can heal you. I've seen a man give people sight. I've seen him cause a lame man to walk. I've, I've heard him teach with power. You see, I think they too went out and told it on the mountains and over the hills and everywhere. They just don't have a special song about it. But the disciples fueled with that same inspiration came out of the trenches that Jesus called them out of and went on mission to tell everyone they knew about Jesus. Here's the message that Jesus gave the disciples. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I don't know if you've ever put yourself in this framework before, but the message of shepherds and the message of disciples is our message to deliver today. You and I are crafted into this beautiful story where God calls people out of their trenches and gives them a message and says, go and tell others about me. Tell everyone you know that the Messiah is here. He's given us the message. We know what it is. Jesus has demonstrated his power. We have the scripture to testify to that. He's given us the weapons to fight the war with and not a physical war. We're talking about a spiritual war against the spiritual powers and darkness, not against flesh and blood. He's given us his spirit within us. So the question that you and I need to wrestle with today is are we willing to join Jesus on his rescue mission? He calls people out of the trenches and into no man's land where there's a spiritual battlefield full of people that need to hear the gospel. But I must warn you, the stakes are high. It is a life or death mission. People's eternity hangs in the balance. That they need to hear the good news so that they can respond. So it is a tough mission that we are about to take. There's a battlefield full of people. Some know that they're in need of saving. You meet these people, you know that they acknowledge there's something broken in their lives. They just need you to tell them about Jesus so that he can heal that. And others have no idea. They're just wandering through life, but need to be warned of the destruction that might be coming their way. And so as we consider whether we will join Jesus on his rescue mission or not, I want to give us three thoughts that might help prepare us for that mission. First thought is, I think we need to identify our trenches. Now, I'm not speaking about physical trenches. I'm speaking metaphorically and spiritually this morning. We're not talking about digging physical trenches. 
Now, I don't want to bore you with too much history. Some of you are like, I hit the snooze button when I hear history. Right? You go back to your high school days, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so bored. I can't help it. Some of you might know this. I was a history teacher before I became a pastor. So it's just in me. It's what I do. But there's so many good lessons that we can learn. Here's one. Those men dubbed trenches because they thought that would protect them and save them. But it did quite the opposite. It was, in fact, they were literally digging their own graves. Isn't that true about our lives? Spiritually speaking, isn't it true that sometimes the things we think we do that will protect us or save us actually end up destroying us in the process? It might sound like this for you. I thought that relationship that I put my whole life into was gonna make me happy, but now they've moved on and I'm all alone again. I thought that new job with the big pay raise and the the fancy home would make me somebody, make me feel like somebody, but now I just feel like a somebody who works too much and has too much debt. I thought that one hit or that one drink would ease some of the stress I was feeling, but now I'm more stressed because I'm fighting an addiction that has a a death grip on me. I thought just a little flirting would be okay, but now I'm wondering if my marriage is even going to survive this. These trenches that we dig and we fall into, these patterns of behavior that we think will protect us and save us and in the end, end up destroying us. And I want you to know that's not the life Jesus has promised you or called you to live. Listen how John records it in John 10, 10. He says, the thief's purpose, the thief being the evil one, the enemy, Satan, his plan, his purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But my purpose, Jesus says, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Some of you might be familiar with the abundant life that Jesus has promised us. We have so many examples of him doing this, right? He called Peter, James, and John out of the trench of business as usual and created a whole new path for them and called them fishers of men. He called Mary out of demon possession and would use her as an illustration for how much his love and power can transform your life. He called the woman caught in adultery out of her life of prostitution and set her on a path of moral righteousness. He called Matthew out of the trench of material mindedness as a tax collector and instead redeemed his reputation. And he would write a gospel that would testify to the power of Jesus to his very people. He called the Pharisees out of their religious superiority and challenged them to consider others better than themselves. And he called Paul out of the trench of murdering fanaticism and turned that passion into energy that would fuel the growth of the early church that we are still experiencing to this day. And we could go on and on. We could continue to list people in scripture that God called and gave a mission to. In fact, if you want some good homework, some of you are like, man, he's talking about history and homework. All right. If you want to do a little extra reading, write down Hebrews chapter 11 and go read that. And it's just a long list. We call it the hall of faith, kind of like the hall of fame. These, these people that God called kind of out of the trenches of their life and gave them a mission, a message to go and share with others. And so I'd encourage you to read through that. We don't have time to go through everybody this morning, but here's a question for you. What trench do you often find yourself digging or falling into? Sometimes we're really good at digging trenches, aren't we? We keep doing the same thing over and over and over and all of a sudden we're, we're head deep and we can't see out. We've created a situation that we feel like there's no way out of. And we do that to ourselves, but there's also an enemy out there who's digging trenches, waiting for you to fall into. And so my question is, if you wanna go on mission with Jesus and share the same message that the angels and the disciples shared, the shepherds shared, 
What trench do you often find yourself in? Now, this next little bit's gonna sound like the old comedy skit. You might be a redneck if, anybody ever heard that, right? Or here's your sign sort of thing. Some trenches that we often find ourselves stuck in. Let me ask you, do you ever find yourself stuck in the trench of politics? That's a deep, well-worn trench right there, isn't it? Listen, I'm no prophet, but I got a feeling in 2024, we're gonna get called into the trenches on that one. There's gonna be plenty of messages that's gonna cause people to entrench themselves more into the political trenches that they're digging. But I don't know that that's the message Christ has for us. See, he calls us to unity. He calls us to come out of those trenches and to find common ground in him. You know, you might be stuck in this trench if politics is the only thing you talk about. Hi, how are you? Hey, guess what? And you turn it straight to, you take every conversation to a political conversation. You might be stuck in this trench if your social media feed reads like a campaign ad. Or you constantly fire shots from a distance, but you've never actually sat down and talked with anyone who thinks differently than you. You might be stuck in that trench. Some of you are like, I wish you'd move on because that hurts. It's holidays. You're not supposed to talk about Christmas or religion. Well, guess what? We're at church. We're talking about both of those today. Any of you find yourself stuck in the trench of culture? You might feel like you might know you're stuck in this trench if wokeness is the only thing that concerns you right now. Or you think the only way that Christ will advance is if you fight some holy war against the culture out there. Or you might be stuck in a trench. Some of us might be stuck in the trench of shame or guilt or regret. And I don't know about you, but sometimes that feels like a bottomless pit, doesn't it? That feels like one that just keeps getting deeper and deeper. And you might be in that trench if there's like a, a, a loop in your mind of all your past mistakes and failures. You might be stuck in that trench. You might be stuck in that trench if you're just too embarrassed and ashamed to ask for help for a problem that you might be facing. You might be stuck in the trench of shame or guilt or regret. Some of us, the longer we follow Jesus, a trench that we so easily get caught into, fall into, is the trench of religion. Now you might think, how could religion be a trench? But I think Jesus spoke about this one quite a bit when he spoke to the religious leaders of his day that were called the Pharisees. Right, they had created a life that separated them from everyone else and kind of propped them up. You might be stuck in this trench if you're so dogmatic that any change upsets you. You don't even know what the change is, but because it's changing, it's not good. And because somehow the tradition that you have has someone be, somehow become spiritualized when all it was was a way to do something. You might be stuck in this trench if you somehow use words with others that make you sound smarter than you are. It actually creates a barrier to them learning about Christ than an open invitation to learning about him. You might be stuck in this trench if you think that just going to a church service once every four or six weeks is what the Christian life is all about. You might be stuck in the trench of religion. And sadly, that trench stinks and it rots and the diseases spread. Some of you might be stuck in the trench of sin. All of us know this trench, right? Scripture says we've all fallen short. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all know this trench well, but some of you might really feel like you're stuck in it. And there's just no way that you can get out. And I just want you to know now that if, you're, if that's a trench you're stuck in, God doesn't want you to stay there. Jesus is there. He's ready to pull you out. You just need to accept that. Here's one that's kind of new for us in our modern living is the trench of busyness. 
Anybody ever find themselves in the trench of busyness? Any young parents? You look at your calendar, you're like, oh my goodness. Where is there a moment for me to breathe? That's sort of unique in human history. For most of history, life didn't change a whole lot. You could go hundreds of years and everyone lived the exact same generation after generation. There were no calendars and events and travel. And, and so now all of a sudden we, we get ourselves involved in so many what appears to be good things and they become traps. And what we thought was going to bring joy ends up creating chaos. Are you stuck in the trench of busyness? There's plenty of other trenches we could talk about, pride and laziness and gluttony, but I think you're getting the picture that we so often dig trenches or find ourselves falling into them just because it's the way the world works. We live in a broken world and there's an enemy out there trying to trap you because his plan is to steal and to kill and destroy, but that is not Christ's plan. His plan is to give you a rich and satisfying life. And so if we are called to join with the angels and the shepherds and the disciples in sharing the message of the good news of Jesus Christ, first, we've got to know the trenches that we so often fall in. Two, I think we really need to understand the mission and the message. Have you really ever stopped to think about what is the message of the gospel? The gospel is the good news. That's what it means. But could you really articulate it? Could you, in a sentence or two, try and summarize for someone the story, the message of the gospel. I think for so many of us, we think the message of the gospel is to pull people into the trenches that we're in so they can be just as miserable as us. That's not the message of the gospel. It's not behavior modification. It's not, hey, I think you should be like me. No, I think you should be like Christ and let him transform you from the inside out. Here's the message of the gospel. Jesus died that you might live. The son of God, one with the father, left heaven, came to earth, died the death that we deserve because of the sin that we commit. And he's gone home to prepare a place for us to join him for eternity. That's the message of the gospel. Nothing more, nothing less. You don't need to add to it. You don't need to change it. You just need to know it. I love the way Paul says it in Ephesians chapter two. As for you, as for me, we were dead in our transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work at those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of the flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, the message of the gospel is that we were once dead and now we are alive. That we were once someone else and now we are a new creation. We're not just remade versions of the same broken us. We become new creations in Christ with a new purpose and a new value, a new mission. That's the gospel message. 
I'd encourage you to go home and read that verse over and over until you really can say it with conviction. So we got to know our trenches. Uh, I talked to a lady in the lobby after first service. She said, man, so many of those trenches you said, I think I'm in all of them. She said, I got some work to do. I said, no, you've got some surrendering to do. You see, we think we're going to work our way out of our problems. No, we, we surrender out of our problems. We surrender to the one who can work out the situation we're in. You see what I'm saying? The call of the Christian life is surrender, not to work harder. Not to work harder. So we got to know our trenches. We have to understand the message and the mission that we've been given. But here's what we desperately need to know. He is with us. This isn't a mission that we've been given to do on our own. It's not a solo mission as if the salvation of the world depended on us. No, we don't have the power to save anyone. We have a message that points them to the one who can save. We're so focused, I think, sometimes on the first part of the Great Commission that we have to go and make disciples and baptize them and teach them as if that's our, our work to do. It's Christ's work through us. That accomplishes that. See, the end of the Great Commission says, Jesus says, and I am with you always to the very end of the age. This isn't a solo mission. He hasn't just said, you should go and do this in your own power and your own might. No, he says, I am with you. My very breath, if you have surrendered to me, if you have done what Susan and Terry did earlier and you have surrendered your life to Christ in baptism, then we believe you have the power of the Holy Spirit within you. The very breath of God enters your body. And that can never leave you. It says it's sealed there. And so we believe that you have the power of the Holy Spirit within you that will move you and direct you and counsel you and guide you and advocate for you and comfort you and reveal to you and speak to you. That it's not your power to accomplish this mission. It's his power in you. Do you see the difference? He is with us. He is with us. The very breath of God is in us, but we also have all those who have gone before us in the faith to give us an example of what it looks like to come out of the trench and to follow Jesus. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 with me. This comes right after your reading assignment. Hebrews chapter 11. All those heroes of the faith. Then he says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, because for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary in doing good. We have his spirit within us and we have one another to go into battle with. Could you imagine how much the world could change if we would truly lock arms together and advance across the battlefield, not as enemies trying to destroy people, but as people pointing to the one who could save them. Could you imagine the freedom people might experience if we would do that together? I must tell you, if you... If you are here regular, if you consider yourself a regular of Oklahoma Christian Church and you're not and you're not connected to someone or a group of people here, I think you're missing out. In fact, I might even go as far as to say you're fighting a solo mission. And that's not the call that Jesus gives. 
He gave the commission to a group of people. He gave the angel spoke to a group of shepherds because there is power in numbers. We're not meant to go alone. When Jesus sent out the disciples, he sent them two by two. And the first church launched. It happened at the day of Pentecost where thousands were gathered. And then they continued to meet in people's homes. And they prayed and they ate meals together and they shared the gospel. And then they advanced throughout the lands. So I would encourage you to make a connection with someone here. Maybe that's through a small group. Maybe that's through serving. But don't go on mission alone because you'll fall into a trench quicker than you think. When somebody could have pointed that out to you and said, hey, watch out, that's dangerous. Are you starting to see the picture? What would it look like if we really crawled out of our trenches and worked together to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others? Imagine the world that that would look like. So if you've tuned me out because I spoke too much history, if you fell asleep because you need a nap, I want you to wake up and write down something. I'm going to give you the entire message in one sentence. Some of you are like, why didn't you lead with that? Here's the one sentence summary. You ready? Get out of your trench and join with the angels and the shepherds and the disciples and share the good news of Jesus Christ with others. That's the call. Jesus is the only thing powerful enough to call people out of their trenches and into no man's land where we can actually talk and communicate and share with one another. I think that's the call for us today is to get out of our trenches and they're easy to fall into, but we have others that'll help us see that. And we get to join with angels and shepherds and disciples and share the good news that you can go from death to life in Christ. Now and eternity with him. It'd be amazing if we could do that. Sadly, you know the phrase that all good things must come to what? An end. I don't know where that came from. By the way, that's only true on this side of heaven. That's not true when we go to glory. But all the good things on this side of heaven will come to an end. And sadly, That Christmas of December 1914, those soldiers, that Christmas would come to an end. And those men would leave no man's land. They would go back into their trenches. And there they would reload their guns. They would reload their guns. They would fortify their trenches. They would actually make them stronger. And in the end, 16 million men would be killed in that war. Church, I hope that's not our story. I hope you don't hear something like this and just go crawl right back into the trench that you came out of. I hope you stay out of that. I hope you bring others along to help keep you accountable and keep us up out of the trenches. I hope it's said of us that we did our best to follow Jesus. I hope it's said of you and I that we tried to avoid the trenches and while we will fail at times, we'll keep moving, we'll keep running with perseverance the race that Jesus has given us. And then we'll take the gospel and we'll tell everyone how to find Jesus and how to follow him. And so I don't know where you are in your journey with Christ. Some of you may be just starting and and you're growing and some of you have been traveling with Jesus for a while, but I wanna speak specifically to you if you feel like you're stuck in a trench. If you feel like your boots are down in the mud and there's just no way you're getting pulled out of this could I encourage you just to surrender to Jesus? You don't crawl out of a muddy trench by fighting harder. You get pulled out by Christ. 
And that could look like a miraculous moment for you. The scriptures are full of miraculous moments. More often than not, that begins a process of regular surrender. Some of us think, well, I got saved a long time ago. Yeah, you got saved, but you may not have surrendered much. The call of surrender is daily. So I encourage you to surrender if that's you. Don't fight harder. Reach out. Jesus is standing there. He's done the heavy lifting. He's done the work required. You simply need to accept his gift of salvation. I'd encourage you to do that today. You could find me after the service. You could find one of our Next Step volunteers and say, I want out of the trenches. I'm tired of living down there. Will you help me? We'll point you to the one who can. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you've experienced life in the trenches, you, but you know the freedom that comes in Christ. But we all get, the, the, the gravity of the flesh is real. And the gravity is to pull us back down into the trenches. Sometimes the Bible calls that old wide skins. And we try to take a new life and we try to cram it into the old life. But that's not what Christ has called us to. He's called us into a new life in him. So if you've been following him, but you find yourself regularly crawling back into the trenches, I'd encourage you to confess that. Repent of that. Repent of that. Confess it to God and confess it to someone else and say, will you hold me accountable? Maybe for you, that looks like, listen, I know in 24, I'm gonna get drug in the trenches of politics. Please help me stay out of that. Or I'm gonna get pulled back into this or pulled back into that. Confess it. Repent and ask someone to help you stay out of that. And I hope all of you who call us your church home would be praying this week for those who are going to attend our Christmas services next weekend. We've got three Christmas weekend services and I hope you pray this week daily for the people that will come because we're gonna preach the gospel. We're gonna preach it powerfully and directly. And we believe that when we do, people will respond. Not to our words or our methods, but to the gospel of Jesus Christ that they can go from death to life in him. So I hope you pray. I hope you take a Christmas invite card and you give it to your one or you give it to someone or you give it to anyone or you give it to everyone. Pick a one and give it to them. Give them a Christmas invite and Bring them here so they can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. So church, I think if we can do those things, if we can avoid the trenches, if we can truly understand the gospel message that we've been given, if we can link arms, I think maybe we can be like that soldier who reflecting back on that war would say, I didn't want to miss that unique and weird Christmas for anything. So church, my goal is that we have the most unique and weird Christmas we've ever seen. Amen to that? Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the good news that you so loved the world. You so loved me. You so loved the people in this room, the people listening online, the people who may listen a year from now on YouTube, that you love them so much that you gave your one and only son. to die on our behalf. You told us sin is equals death. The wages of sin, what you earn for sin is death. And so we deserve death. There's no way around that except through Christ who came to this earth and laid down his life and he lived a perfect life so that he could take care of the penalty that we deserved. So thank you for that good news that we were once dead, but now we are alive in Christ. I pray for those who feel like they're stuck in a trench that they wouldn't just wallow in that anymore, but they would reach out and ask for help and allow Jesus to begin the process of pulling them out of that and then giving them the message to share with others. 
I pray for those who will be inviting others this week. I pray for those who are gonna attend our services next weekend, that you would be moving ahead and you would be softening hearts and that people would receive the gospel next week and would accept that and begin the daily surrender to you. It's those things we pray in your name. Amen.